Radio. Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet. Showing you how to collapse time frames in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm, I'm here to help. My, my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hey, welcome back to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk all about how one of the most hated financial vehicles out there actually provides more value than any other product being pitched by the financial industry today. So it's the foundation that helps successful business owners go from being an unwealthy success to becoming a strategic investor and actually building wealth in their lives and in their business. So when we look at people in finances today, uh, many people are asking themselves, how do I save and invest to make sure I have enough money until I die? And this seems to be one of the biggest problems when when it comes to investing because people are aiming to just have enough rather than aiming to make sure they build a life and a legacy that's actually worth living. So I'm not saying money's everything. I'm just saying money is absolutely everything. So ask yourself this, as a business owner, is it easier to live the life you want with or without money? Now, if you answered without, then you're probably wasting your time on this podcast. You and I probably don't have anything in common and your time is going to be better spent uh, doing something else. But if you said it's easier with money, then the next question is, well, how do you accumulate it? So today I'm going to walk you through why every entrepreneur should be using high cash value life insurance as a savings vehicle and an investment vehicle. So I was, I was first introduced to this strategy back in 2004 And then I revisited it and really grabbed a hold of it uh, in 2012. So now it's part of uh, pillar number two of my wealth building framework. Now, we all know whole life insurance has gotten a bad rap. Mainly, uh, one of the main reasons behind that is the argument behind that is it's too expensive. And I actually agree with that argument if the policy is built incorrectly. But the question you have to ask yourself is, if it's so horrible, why do some of the wealthiest families use it as a financial strategy? So if you kind of look at, at what we know, so let's walk through a couple of recognizable names. Uh, Walt Disney, uh, it's, it's well-documented that he used whole life insurance to, to start Disneyland. Uh, J.C. Penney used it to help start J.C. Penney. Ray Kroc used it to get McDonald's up and running. Uh, it's been discovered that the Rockefellers uh, use it as a foundational financial strategy in their um, family office. And if you look at them, they're going on, I think, like six generations and like 200 families that are being supported by that, uh, by that family office. The Rothschilds use it. Uh, John F. Kennedy uh, used it. William Taft, Franklin D. Roosevelt, John McCain, and even our current presidential candidate, uh, Joe Biden. Love him or hate him. Uh, you can have your own opinion about him. The fact is uh, he's, he uses this strategy as well. Now, So if the majority of society thinks it's not a great investment, then why do so many of the notable individuals that we've talked about uh, use it? And these are only some of the names that we know of, right? Because they're private individuals and some of them are private businesses or were private businesses, uh, they don't have to disclose their their private holdings. They don't have to disclose their, their private investments or their family investments, right? It's unlike a public company that has to disclose that stuff. So when you look at 
the wealthy, wealthy families and you look at family offices, a lot of these are privately held, which means that we don't have a lot of information behind what they're doing simply because they don't have to disclose it. The reason why whole life insurance is being used by these individuals is because the wealthy, the wealthy play by a different set of rules. You see, they're not uh, focused on chasing the market or taking advantage of tax deferred government sponsored programs. Like a lot of the middle class and, and poor individuals are being pitched in society, right? They're focused on building wealth and they know in order to build wealth, they have their money has to be able to do multiple things at the same time. And one of the things that the whole life insurance provides is, is it provides three different things that your money can be doing at the same time. So uh, those three things are one, preserve it. So the wealthy understand you have to be able to preserve capital. Uh, they also understand you have to be able to grow capital. So you have to be able to grow your money and you have to be able to use your money. And you want to be able to do all three of those things simultaneously. So let's talk about how a whole or high cash value whole life insurance policies allows you to do all three of these things uh, at the same time. But uh, hold, hold on, let me back up. Before I do that, let me clarify exactly what kind of policy I'm talking about because there's a lot of, of chatter out there about what's effective and what's not effective. So uh, let me just clarify exactly what I'm talking about. Number one, it is a whole life insurance policy. It's not term life insurance. It's not an index universal life insurance policy. And it's not a universal life insurance policy. It's the plain Jane whole life insurance that has been around for, for decades and decades, right? So it's a whole life insurance policy. Now, the reason behind this is there, there's actually numerous reasons why you want to use a whole life insurance policy. But for the purposes of this podcast, I, we can kind of save those reasons maybe for another podcast, but the purposes of this podcast is it just has to do, it has to do with the way that the policy is structured. So each of these products are structured a little bit differently, which will affect the ability to use them appropriately. And that's why we use whole life insurance is simply because of the way the policy is structured, which actually brings me to point number two. There are a couple of ways a policy can be structured uh, inside of whole life insurance. And when you think about paying premium inside of the whole life insurance policies, there's two places that money can go. One is towards base premium. And that base premium focuses on death benefit. And the other one is what they call paid up additions. And that focuses on cash value. Okay. So the bad rap that in the life, whole life insurance gets of it being too expensive is because a lot of these policies that people are purchasing are focused on base premium, which is, is mainly focused on, on the death benefit. Uh, again, when you pay a premium, it can go two places, base premium or paid up additions. Now, most life insurance salesmen, uh, as I just discussed, will build them so the majority of your annual premium goes towards your base premium. And the reason that that is, is because that's what their commission is driven off of. And they just may not know how to build them differently. Oftentimes, they're just building the products that their company is, is pushing them to, to pitch. So that's, that's why they're building them that way. It's commission driven. Uh, that's where they get paid the highest commission. And plus, you know, they may not know how to build them differently. But that's not what you want. What you want is you want about one third of your annual premium going towards base premium. 
and you want about two thirds of uh, your annual premium going towards uh, paid up additions. So just take some numbers into to account. So let's say that you're paying $100,000 a year into a policy. You'd want about 33,000 going into your base premium and about $66,666 going into paid up additions. And then you can just scale that up or down, right? Whether you're paying more or paying less. So if you scale that down, let's just use easy numbers to $10,000 a year. You'd want about 3,300 going into base premium and about 6,600, 6,666 going to paid up additions. And and you can take it the other way too. So one third of towards base premium, two thirds towards paid up additions. Now, the reason for this is this makes the, the policy highly efficient, right? So the last thing is you want to make sure the policy is written with a mutual life insurance company, not a stock uh, company or a publicly traded company, but you want it to be a mutual life insurance company. Now, looking at the rest of the policies, there are a couple other intricate de details, uh, but for the purposes of this discussion, uh, those are the main components, okay? So also note, these policies have been given several names since they've started to become more popular, popularized uh, back in the 80s. So you may hear them referred to as cash flow banking, uh, infinite banking, uh, wealth maximization account, the AND asset, an opportunity fund, all of those connotations or all of those names given around this strategy, it's the same thing. They're all talking about the same thing. It's different companies that have named it differently uh, for their own marketing and sales pitch. And so they're all talking about the, the same product and the same thing. Now that we've kind of laid out the basics of what those components should be of a policy, let's talk about how a policy actually helps you preserve, grow, and then use your money all at the same time. So in order to preserve your money, you have to put it in a, to put it in a safe place, right? Somewhere that it will not be lost uh, or stripped away during an economic downturn. Now, this is kind of obvious, right? This is a, a no-brainer. If you want to preserve money, you the first place you you you've got to control is not losing money. It kind of goes without saying. When you look at mutual life insurance companies, one of the things that makes them so attractive is their longevity of success. Most of these companies have been around for well over 100 to 150 years. What this means is they've been through tons of economic cycles. They actually went through the Great Depression. Uh, they've been through two world wars. Uh, they've been through many recessions different economic and political climates, and they just keep going strong. In fact, if you do uh, historical research, these mutual life insurance companies actually help the economy pull out of the Great Depression. So they're very, very stable companies with long, long track records of success. And that's, what, that's, what, that's part of the reason that makes them uh, so attractive. So Part of the reason that this that they have this longevity of success is because it's a mutual company, uh, they're privately held, which makes them more conservative and have a longer term view of what they want to accomplish, right? A privately held company isn't held to Wall Street's expectations. They aren't worried about meeting any type of quarterly expectations. They're worried about how do we be profitable for the next 50, 100 150, 200 years. How are we profitable to make sure that our shareholders, um, which are individuals that own the policy, actually are able to turn a profit by investing with our company? 
So very few, when you look at the financial landscape out there, very few financial institutions are actually able to say the same thing. And that's one of the reasons that it makes these mutual companies and their policies such a uh, great place to uh, preserve capital. So that's number one, capital preservation. And that's why that they're so attractive to preserve capital is because of their longevity of success. And they're not beholden to Wall Street's expectations. The second component uh, of building wealth is you've got to be able to grow your money, obviously. So when you look at compound interest, uh, it's a beautiful thing, right? But it only works if two factors are involved. The first is consistency and the second is time. Having money grow inside of your life insurance policy is like having money inside of a supercharged savings account. A policy's cash value consistently grows year after year and never goes down. That consistency is there. It's, it's kind of like the, the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise just consistently makes progress day after day, step after step, you know, year after year, month after month. That's the same thing with the policy. It just consistently grows. So if the stock market crashes uh, or the economy goes down or it doesn't, it doesn't, none of this matters to your policy because your policy isn't tied to those economic factors, right? They're tied to, to other things. So that's what makes it, it so attractive to, or that's what makes it so consistent. So every year when you look at a, a whole life insurance policy, two things are going to happen every year for it to consistently grow. One is you're going to earn interest on your cash value. And then the second thing is you're most likely going to earn a dividend because, because you're involved with a mutual company, you own part of that company. As that company turns a profit and pays a dividend, you get some of that dividend. So that's how your policy grows in two different ways. And once that money's in your account, you can't lose it. So when you look at the dividend, that's not guaranteed. The interest that your policy is going to accrue is guaranteed every year but the in, or the dividend is not guaranteed. But again, when you look at the longevity and the success of these companies, they've paid a dividend more years than not. In fact, I think that if you kind of looked at all the companies as a whole uh, and combined them, there's probably a few companies that haven't paid um, a dividend over a few years. Other than that, you're going to get a dividend. So let's just assume that uh, you did nothing else with your money inside of the policy, but just let it sit there. So you just piled money inside this cash value, cash value life insurance policy. You're preserving it. So you're not losing it, losing it. And you're just letting it sit there. You're not doing anything else with it. If that happens, you can probably expect that growth rate to be between about five and five and a half percent right now. So when you compare that to a savings account, it's basically supercharged, right? In a savings account, you're going to get what a half percent, maybe 1% if you're lucky. Um, but uh, these life insurance policies, they pay a, a better rate of return. So the longer it sits there, uh, the more compound interest kicks in and your compound curve is never, is never uh, negatively affected because your policy will never go down in value, right? it'll only go up. So when you look at um, other types of investment vehicles, you can put money in there and they may go up, they may go down, they may go up. So you're going to, you're going to make some money. You're going to lose some money. You're going to make some money. You're going to lose some money. Well, compound interest really kicks in when you've got that consistent growth or that consistent growth and it never actually loses money. So that's how uh, the policy helps you there.
Now, the third component of building wealth is you've got to be able to use your money. It does. It makes no sense to just tuck money away somewhere and, and then not be able to use it. So the wealthy understand that building wealth isn't about locking your money up or you know, locking it up in some investment that you have no control over and you're just hoping someday that it works out and, and your money's grown and, and you're able to use it at some point. They understand that, that that's not effective. So the objective uh, of the wealthy is to use their financial capital uh, to invest in, in things that they have control over, right? So businesses, uh, real estate, other ventures that, uh, that allow them to retain as much control over their investments as possible, but while still taking on the least amount of, of risk as possible. So the reason they store money in life insurance is because they can access it uh, when they want to use it for an investment. Again, it's, it's like a supercharged savings account, so you can actually access that money. It's, it's not locked up. And so the, what, what happens is the insurance company uh, not only allows you to use your money uh, when you need to, but it also continues to pay an interest rate as if that money was continued, that money continued to sit inside your policy. So it creates, it creates kind of this double compounding effect. It, the money is still growing inside your policy, but you're also able to leverage that money and use it to invest in other things. And, and this is where the term the and asset comes from. It creates this double compounding effect. So for example, if I have $100,000 sitting inside a policy uh, with cash value in there, and I wanted to take $75,000 uh, of that and go do and invest in something else with that money, I can do that. So it may be growing, let's say, at 5% inside my policy. That 100000 may be growing at 5% inside my policy. I take 75000 I leverage $75,000 of that from my policy, and I go invest in something else. Let's say that's uh, going to give me, let's just say it's a piece of real estate, and it's going to give me a 10% uh, rate of return. So now I've got $100,000 sitting in my, or, or in my policy that's, that's making 5%, and I've got $75,000 leveraged that's making me 10%. And now you've got a 10% return on that 75,000 plus a 5% return on that 100,000. And that's why they call it the and, the and asset is because it becomes this, uh, this double compounding effect. So you're able to, to not only save your money, but you're also able to use your money at the, at the same time. So now that we've talked about what a policy is and what it can do for you, uh, let's touch upon a few of other of the pros and cons uh, with owning a, one of these policies. So the first, tax benefits. One of the biggest wealth destroyers out there is taxes. So the name of the game is to legally pay as little tax as possible. Many business owners go about this the wrong way. They focus on tax deferral strategies uh, rather than tax-free strategies. So as long as when, when you purchase one of these policies, as long as it's set up correctly when you purchase it, because when you purchase it, it's a contract. It's not something that, that you can change over time. You can make little tweaks to it, but you can't make massive tweaks to it. It's an actual contract. So as long as when you purchase it, it's set up correctly, then the money you save inside that policy, it actually grows tax-free and you're able to access it tax-free. So the best part about this is the amount of money you're able to save inside these policies is much greater than any other and actually much more flexible than any other tax-free vehicle out there. 
So that's one of the benefits of having a, a policy is it's it, it can grow tax-free. Uh, one of the other benefits is, and I know this is a life insurance policy, but I look at the, the death benefit as kind of an ancillary benefit to the living benefits of the policy. So the things that we've been talking about previously are the living benefits that allow you to, gr- to grow and to build wealth while you're alive. Now, if something were to happen to you, and you passed away, then the death benefit would kick in and be able to, you know, obviously pay out to, to your trust and to your heirs and, and basically be able to protect your family financially or, or financially protect your family. So that's, that's uh, obviously the death benefit. And, and that's what most people focus on when they talk about life insurance is the death benefit. Whereas I think you got to flip that, especially when you when we're looking at cash flow banking and infinite banking, you got to flip that and you got to say, hey, I'm focused on the living benefit because I want to build as much wealth while I'm alive. And then the death benefit is there to protect people that I love uh, once I pass away. So speaking of protection, uh, one of the other pros of having one of these policies is asset protection. It can protect you. The asset protection piece happens in, in a couple of ways. The first because these are privately held policies with private insurance companies, there isn't a public record of them in existence. So the only people that really know you have these policies are you, the insurance company, and then anybody uh, you tell. So if somebody decided they wanted to sue me, they're probably one of the first things they're going to do when they talk to their lawyer is they're going to go do an asset search. Okay. What does this guy own? and, And does he have anything that we can go after? Well, if the majority of my uh, investable capital is packed away in private investments, when they do a search, they're not going to find very much, right? So it could deter deter them from filing uh, any type of lawsuit against you because they may just think that, hey, there's nothing out there to get. So that's that's number one is, is, is the privacy behind them. The second uh, way that it protects your assets, and this this varies by state, but there are laws around protecting your policy from seizure in uh, a lawsuit or bankruptcy. So if somebody does decide to sue you and they did win, a lot of states will protect the uh, the assets inside of a policy from seizure in, in a lawsuit and uh, a bankruptcy. Now, uh, we talked about some of the pros, right? So with every pro, there's, you know, there's some naysayer out there that's got a con. So let's just talk about some of the, the cons or some of the things that may come up as, as people discuss these types of, of policies. Uh, the first one is an improper structure. And I've alluded to it a little bit uh, in the podcast. But if the person you're working with doesn't set these policies up correctly or they use another product, another product than what I've outlined is as a whole life insurance product, then you've probably wasted a bunch of time and you've probably wasted a bunch of money and, and it's going to take some cost to, to get it right. So that's, that's one of the cons is just people don't know how to structure these properly. So you really have to make sure you're working with someone who knows what they're doing. Now, although this is changing a bit, meaning that there's, there's being more and more light shed upon this strategy Right now, there's still a very small percentage of people who know how to even structure these properly. So you have to make sure whoever you're working with absolutely knows how to structure them properly, or you're going to get in something that doesn't work as effectively as you want it to because it was structured improperly. So that's number one, it's improper structure. Uh, Number two, time. 
this is a long-term strategy. This isn't a um, get rich quick scheme. This isn't a, uh, you know, you're going to make a hundred percent overnight. That's not what this is. This is a long-term strategy. And because it's an insurance policy, there's some upfront cost to it, right? There's some, there's some insurance cost to it. So if you're thinking about trying this, if, if in the back of your mind, you're like, Oh, I'll try this, you know, see how it works for the next couple of years. Don't do it. Don't waste your time. Uh, you'll waste time and you'll waste money. Just don't do that. So at the minimum, when you're looking at a strategy like this, you, you want to say at least seven to 10 years, that's kind of the minimum investment that you want to look at. And when I tell people that sometimes they get spooked a little bit just because oftentimes they're not used to thinking that long-term, right? Seven to 10 years. But what I've also found is people that, that take that leap and actually start to implement this strategy a couple years in, they're like seven to 10 years is no big deal. I will be the, in this for the rest of my life and I will absolutely get as many policies as I can. So it's a longer term strategy. Also, uh, one of the other things you want to take into consideration is it takes a couple of years for you to be able to access all of your money. And this goes back to some of the costs being associated with setting these up. So in the first couple of years, if it's structured properly, you should be able to access between about 80% and 90% of your annual premiums that you've put into the policy. And then by year three, you're able to access all of your annual premiums and you'll really start to, you'll really begin to see the policy uh, start to grow. So if you're like the wealthy and you think long-term and are willing to wait a couple years uh, for a life, uh, lifetime of growth, then uh, this shouldn't be a problem. So that kind of wraps up the, the advantages and why, you know, everybody should, should be looking at these types of policies. Since this is part of, and I mentioned it before, since this is part of pillar number two of the wealth building machine, uh, I've been using it for years. So I, as I talked about, I was introduced to it in 2004. I actually purchased a policy from an individual. Uh, looking back, I don't think he knew exactly what he was doing and I don't think that it was structured, uh, properly. So I abandoned it uh, a couple years in two, three, four years in, I can't remember exactly. But then I was reintroduced to the strategy again in, uh, 2012. And at that point I've really kind of dug in and started using it. So I I've been using my policy, uh, for years. And so what I do with, with my policies is I kind of, I, I do the exact same thing that I've outlined above, but I really focus on two different things. I focus on one, opportunities to grow our businesses and two, opportunities to invest in real estate. And that's really what I use the policies for. So let me give you an example. Not too long ago, I purchased a home that needed a little bit of TLC. And I was getting it from a couple that was getting divorced. So what I did is I actually took out a policy loan from one of my policies and I bought the home and I think I paid just under about $154,000 for the home. And then what I did is I spent about $37,000 remodeling it. And in three months, I sold it for $225,000. So the, the classic flip model, right? Once I sold the property, I repaid the policy loan that I'd taken from my policy and I paid myself some interest for borrowing money from myself, right? I want to, I want to be an honest banker with myself. And then I made about 34,000 bucks. So that's kind of a classic transition uh, transaction when you're, when you're looking at these types of policies. Now, although those transactions may vary, 
are different slightly. Uh, a lot of times, because I, I don't do a ton of flips. I'll do them occasionally, you know, when, depending on how much time I have and, and if the opportunity is right and things like that. But, but the transactions are basically the same, right? Take a policy loan. I take that money. I invested in something that I think is either going to increase my cash flow or give me a rate of return fairly quickly. Uh, once that happens, I use either the cash flow or that uh, the money that I've made, the profit that I've made, and I pay back that policy loan. I pay myself some interest. I let that money sit inside the policy, and I look for the next next opportunity. And then at that point, it's just a, a cycle of renting and repeating. So this is what business owners are doing to build wealth outside of their business. And, and again, as I've talked about, you probably aren't going to hear this strategy uh, discussed by any of the talking heads uh, or financial celebrities out there, oftentimes because they're focused on more of the poor and middle class, right? Like what are the basics that you need to do to just uh, live day to day and, and to have enough? But this is actually one of the secrets uh, secret strategies that I would say is hidden in plain sight, meaning that it, once you start to dig in and search, it's really not that secret. It, you can find the information fairly quickly. So, but it's just the reason I say it's a, it's a hidden, it's a, it's a secret hidden in plain sight is nobody really talks about it. You kind of have to dig to, to find out what it is, but the wealthy are using it and they've been using it for, for years and years and years and years. And it's a huge foundational piece and what, what they do to build wealth. So as a successful business owner, when you look at, I'm going to put together a wealth building strategy for, for me and, and for my family, this is one of the foundational pieces. It helps those successful business owners move from being an unwealthy success, meaning you're making a lot of money, but you're not really seeing your wealth grow, and to becoming a strategic, uh, strategic investor to where your business is making money, but you also have these investments outside of your business that are creating passive income and cash flow to help you replace the income that you're pulling from your business. And because individuals or those individuals that are, that are implementing this understand the true value behind owning and leveraging whole life insurance, you'll continue to see their wealth increase over time. Whereas what you're going to see with the poor and middle class is they're, they're going to continue to chase after returns and they're going to continue to buy products from Wall Street that are actually designed to make the creators of those products rich, but not the consumers of those products. And this is the financial game we've got to get out of. We've got to, we've got to be able to invest and, and put strategies together that actually will make us as the consumers wealthy and not the individuals that are creating those products wealthy. So I hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Hey, real quick. Are you a six or seven figure entrepreneur who's making great money, but like so many other unwealthy successes, you're not seeing your wealth grow? If so, I can help. Head over to nicholascjensen.com forward slash wealth and take my free wealth building assessment now. Learn how to become a strategic investor and start building the wealth you and your family deserve. Again, that's nicholas, the letter C, jensen.com forward slash wealth. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.